three, two, and we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey Yost, one half of the Corner Bullet Pad Podcast. And I'm back like I never left with another installment of Money Mindset here on the Corner Bullet Pad Podcast. We discuss health and wealth, finance and fitness, everything in between. We want to make sure you save more and say less and keep making better your best. Yes, yes. And I know y'all see the topic of today's video. We're gonna get in, we're gonna get into again, because I don't know we haven't touched on this in a while, but Separate bank accounts. I don't know what this one talk about. We're talking about Gen Z today. I don't know if this one getting to marry people, but it's a Gen Z in comparison to older generations, right? Gen Z is the technically youngest generation. I think Gen Alpha is up next, you know. I think anybody in there is 18 yet. We're gonna talk about separate bank accounts. I know one of the very first episodes I did of Wealth Wednesday, the old name of this or the old name of the, the title of this section, whatever the hell you want to call it. Well, I talked about joint bank accounts married couples doing joint or separate sort of explaining it i think I, that was when i was just doing stuff from the top of my head no articles and things like that say we don't get an article we go into old faithful we go into cn cnbc or there we go cnbc and we're going to talk about joint bank accounts all right now let's talk about make sure y'all y'all hit that comment like share and subscribe button make sure you leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well my information as well as my coach jordan information can be found in the description reach out to jordan for fitness information reach out to myself for financial coaching information jordan's business page is finallyfit.live that's where you can go to sign up for the 5 30 a.m monday and wednesday eastern standard time virtual training sessions and you'll have access to the drive i think it was the drive it's, it's a g drive and you'll be able to, if you ever miss a class, you'll be able to watch the classes there as far as the recordings. All right, let's get into the monthly car payment. Again, I believe the monthly car payment is exact same. Let me see. Yep, average car payment is still the same. Some, why every time I make up a, a new Google tab, it, it tells me, do you want to use your precision? No, I don't want to use my precision. I don't want y'all to track me. All right, student loans. Again, we still have to recap on student loans. I believe last episode, I was trying to remember what Jordan and I did when we did like social media type stuff. Those are called podcast files. So that's what Jordan, we're going to call them when Jordan and I do them. But I'm going to do them as well because there are just so many things to talk about. Excuse me. And this is going to be called, I think I'm going to call it, you know, out of context, you know, out of context. When you take things out of context, right? Because you got all these short clips. I'm not going and watching the whole podcast or whatever it is or doing all this resource research or trying to find different resources while I'm doing research. So we're gonna have like a snapshot of the situation because that's what the you know social media is now. We're gonna talk about taking stuff out of context and we're gonna get back into some of them, some of the viral stuff on social media to help us stay even more up to date as far as what's going out on out there on the internet and to make sure the corner full of that podcast is giving y'all relevant and recent information, not just you know how Jordan and I see things. Sometimes we see the social media posts, but we don't talk about them. So but we're giving y'all information as far as how we view things on here. So we're going to get into that. That type of stuff, whenever I do start recording it, that, those episodes will probably just drop on Saturday. I'm trying to just like figure out how I'm going to start doing that or I'm just going to start recording instead of doing a quote-unquote Money Mindset or Wealth Wednesday or when I do record on Friday sometime. I don't know, but that's probably going to drop on Saturdays. All right? And I think, uh, as y'all know, Last but not least, don't sue me. Sue your mama. This is for entertainment purposes only. Myself, no Jordan, or fitness and finance professionals. Anything you hear is for entertainment purposes only, and you need to reach out to a professional and do your own research before taking any action. All right, here we go, y'all. We calling it married but separate. Separate is one of those hard words, one of those difficult words for me to uh, spell. Separate, what's the other word that I have issues spell? Oh, schedule. Schedule and separate. I would say those might be the, the two most frequently used words that I struggle uh, spelling. All right, but here we go. Let's get into it. 
the title of today's video again, Old Faithful CNBC. We're going to talk about why Gen Z couples are more likely than older generations to keep finance separate. Here's why. Do y'all think that's going to be in here? We always talk about debt. Shout out to student loan debt. I would say one of the reasons they do it is the lower uh, marriage rate. Because uh, if you're not married, you should definitely have your finances separated. Let's not talk about whether or not y'all live together or not. If you are not married, finances should be separated. Joining finances, merging, whatever phrase you want to use of combining things, that does not occur until you sign that marriage certificate. Now, one of the issues with being married is a lot of people think being married is everything but like actually getting married, sign that particular certificate. Ask all the people who did everything but sign the certificate, meaning they put a spin on this time planning the wedding, they spent on this money, they went on the honeymoon, they did not sign that marriage certificate, and then somebody unfortunately passed away, and then you realize you were never married. All right, getting married is going to, you know, whatever have your state requires you to get married, because every state is different. In Maryland, you got to get the county that you get married in is the county that you actually have to register um, or submit your certificate. So I live in Anne Arundel County, so I had to get married in Anne Arundel County. I couldn't get married in PG County and then go to Anne Arundel County and submit my marriage certificate. So every every state is different, but whatever you know the rules are, laws, regulations, whatever you want to call it, that's what you got to do. Everything else, proposing, buying an engagement ring, buying rings at all, um, planning the wedding, having a honeymoon, having all this food, dancing, all that type of stuff, not a requirement to getting married. All right. So let's get into it. Gen Z, why y'all out here trying to keep your money separated? This is published February 8th, 2024 by Anna Teresa Sola. Okay, here we go. Nearly two in five couples or 39% of couples who live together completely combine their finances, whether they're married or not, according to a new report by Bankrate. Yeah, this is not completely the case across generations. Gen Z adult, adults or those between the ages of 18 and 27 are the most likely to keep their finances separate, completely separate from their significant other. See, here we go. Significant other. Spouse. This is what we're looking for. Just say spouse here. I mean, that's, I mean, 18 to 27, I mean, generation, millennials taking longer to get married. I don't know if Gen Z is taking longer to get married or not. Give me one second, y'all. All right, my bad, y'all. All right, here we go. Deciding to combine your finances with your significant other can be a big step in the relationship. Um, yeah, because it should be tied to getting married. So I would say the biggest step in the relationship would probably be getting married. Um, anyways, nearly two in five couples, 39% who live together, completely combine their finances, whether they're married or not. So this is this is all, all couples that they surveyed. Let's say I mean, this is according to bank rate. Shout out to bank rate. I can look at that savings report. Hold on, here I go. Me getting distracted. Shout out to that YouTube comment. Bank rate savings. My bad, y'all. I'm just terrible at typing. There we go. Okay, anyways. All right, so yes, sh shout out to bank rate. Um, 40% of people, that's, that includes everybody. That number is extremely low because it should be, it should all the people who are married, unless you're in a situation where, unfortunately, your spouse, you know, has some type of addiction issue or like for tax purposes, so you're like doing marital violence separately, that would be a reason you might have your bank account separated. Or let's say you, you're working on combining your finances, but the finances are so messed up or so hard to combine, however you want to phrase it, that they're not combined yet. Those are probably only two or three situations where your finances should not be combined and you're married. Other than that, just go ahead and combine them again. I guess not the link. Try to remember the link. 
the joint um the joint bank account episode here where i actually explain what joint bank accounts are a lot of people don't understand what a joint bank account means and that's a whole other episode that talked about it but when a bank account is joint that that doesn't mean that all that reflects is the ownership permissions on the account and what trend who can conduct what transactions so when you go open up your own bank account assuming you're 18 or older that is your bank account and by the way when they talk about joint bank accounts versus separate this is just verbiage like if something's not joined in my definition it's right it's not together or separated all bank accounts are separated you can't join bank accounts I meaning you have your bank account and then the, your significant other has their bank account you guys get married and like you fuse them or join them together now you have one account no you each still have your own separate accounts that joint account or joint owner it means that there's a another joint person you can have multiple joint owners on the account by the way some people might not know this you don't can't just only have one joint owner you can have multiple joint owners on the account when you're under 18 you know you get your first job at mcdonald's or wherever and your parents technically opened up your bank account for you because you were a minor if you know your parents were together or they were both on there both of your parents were likely joint owners on the account the account was yours it was your primary account but since you were underage you had to have an adult on that account and like like for me both my parents were joint on my account to like I don't know, probably until I got married because there's no me reason for me to update them to a convenience user, which essentially allows them to do withdrawals and transfers and removes their ability to deposit, you know, their own checks into the account. Cause I didn't have that issue. You know, some people have issues when it comes to finances with their parents, but I wasn't in that situation. So I just go ahead and let, let them join until I ended up getting married, you know, and moving out and stuff like that. But when you join bank accounts, it doesn't mean that you lose your bank account. It just gives someone else permission or access to the money in your bank account and the ability to conduct transactions. Now, if you don't want your spouse or your spouse is like a risk of, of adding them onto your account, I would say you probably shouldn't marry that person. All right, that's that's a part of people want to talk about. You probably shouldn't marry them if you're having all this trepidation about joining them onto the bank account. On top of that, when people say they have a joint account to pay the bills out of, no, you don't. It's still someone's primary account where they can kick the other person off of if they want to. Likely, you had to join your bank account from the bills account standpoint, because a lot of people to pay the bills, they don't have a bills account that is funded ahead of time. Like my wife and I do and other people, I try to coach them and tell them, hey, if you're listening to this, have a bills account, make sure it's you know funded at least a month in advance so you don't have to worry about when the bills come out and you're not having to rush and get money you know, back into that account to make sure it's fully funded by the time the next you know, auto debit comes out the account. But most people are putting their direct deposit, your fairly direct deposit at work, and you're putting that money into the joint bank account or joint checking account, as people call it. Most times, not all times, the requirement at the institution, if not via your job and or your job, is that to put a direct deposit into an account, you have to be an owner of that account. And that owner, in short, means the primary owner. So it's your bank account. You went and opened it or a joint owner. All right. So that's one of the reasons you got to go out and have a joint account. However, again, more education that only needs to be done where you guys have a joint bills account not that the account should not be joint but from a direct deposit standpoint if that checking account is not at the financial institution that you're already at meaning if you're banking at let's say for example bank a and your your checking account from a bill standpoint is also at bank a you don't need to set up a direct deposit for that money to go in the account you can just set up a transfer for when you get paid which is the same thing you know as your direct deposit when your paycheck hits your account and just transfer that money over because when transfers occur within the same financial institution, they happen instantaneously. So the same way your direct deposit goes in as soon as you get paid into that joint bank account for the bills, 
if it's the same financial institution, then you can just have that transfer set up. Not saying everybody has a situation where your bills account is at the same place as your PFI, your primary primary financial institution, but that's just I want to help you guys get a better understanding of how things are actually set up. You're probably joint on the checking account for your bills because you need to from a direct deposit standpoint. But if it's at the same place, then just transfer the money over, right? It doesn't have to be your joint bills account, okay? I mean, you, you just put the money in that account. And also on top of that, too, if you're fully funded, you really don't matter if it's in there when you get direct deposit because you're, you're, back, pay, you're back paying yourself. You're paying your back money that you already owe. All right, here we go. I would say... I mean, student loan slash debt is number one. Maybe joint bank accounts is the second thing. I could just go on and on about. I just realized I just went like like on a damn near five, seven minute rant. All right, let me get through this article. Like I don't got to go to work. Okay, how couples handle money together varies across generations. Gen Z adults between age, ages of 18, dang, Gen Z is 27 now, are the most likely to keep their finances completely separated from their significant other with 38%. By contrast, baby boomers or adults age 60 to 78 are the most likely generation to fully combine their finances with their spouse or partner, 44. 44%. There's no difference between 44 and 38%. I thought it was going to be like, you know, 60, 70. That's not, that's not that big of a difference. So uh, lack, lack of, lack of joint bank accounts on married people. Bank rate, again, 2,200. 33 people, they're not pulling that many people, y'all. U.S. adults in December, including 1,124 who were married or living with a partner at the time of this survey. So about half the people are married. One thing that comes up is the anxiety of, will I lose my autonomy if I merge finances? No. See, that's the part merging. I don't recommend that people put non-bill money from their paycheck into one account. That makes no sense. If you want to talk about auditing finances, tracking transactions, and both of you have an account where you're each in short, let's just say doing your own spending out of, you know, when she goes to Starbucks, get her, nail, her nails and hair done, you out here trying to hit the parlay, you know, because the game's about to come on, trying to see if LeBron about to break this record or some crap like that. That all coming out of one account. If you want to do that, that's fine. I would, I do not recommend to get against that. And I would highly suggest that people consider not to do that. Outside of bills, as far as your own transactions, their own transactions come one out, coming out of one account outside of bills. No, y'all pay for everything else out of your own checking account, right? I was gonna say separate checking account, separate, not that they're joint, but like as a, another checking account. So you essentially have at least three checking accounts. You would have one, then your spouse would have one, then you would have another one where the bills come out. That's what we have here in my house. We got more than that because I got a checking account every fine institution, but that's that's a whole that's completely that's completely separate conversation. That's just from a liquidity standpoint and access to money. But um, yeah, you, you shouldn't, you don't lose your autonomy. You, you're, when bank accounts get joint, am I going to be able to get through this article in time? When bank accounts get joint, it's not so that your spouse then starts spending your money. It's from a transparency aspect and an access to funds aspect. It's not so that they then, you get married, now they start spending your money. That makes no sense. Now, if you're in a situation where, you know, stay at home mom or things like that, where one person's only one person has income. That's different. But where you guys are, are both working, you just got married and you're both working, you're, you're dink, dual income, no kids. Really, nothing should change how you guys are spending your money outside of the fact that you're going to have that joint bank account for your bills. Right now, you're going to have one rent or mortgage payment. You got one set of utility bills, right? You might end up joining up your insurance, cell phone bill, things like that. Also, you know, put all your Netflix, you know, subscriptions, things like that, come out of one place. Outside of that, when she goes and gets her hair nailed done, 
when he go gets his haircut, that still comes out of your checking account that y'all had before y'all even met each other. Why would we then combine it and have these transactions in one place to make it even harder to figure out when something goes wrong as far as an auditing standpoint, when these pennies don't match up? Because that will happen. Why would we want more transactions? We just want the bills come out of the account. Ours is our rent, our utility bills, life insurance. And that, that's it. We don't. There's nothing else that comes out of the account. And then it's me putting the money you know, back into the account as far as the transfer to build it back up. So it's there when the money needs to be taken out at the beginning of the month. Whenever that money's due, it's nothing else. My wife gets her, her hair and her nails done. I'd be damned if that money was coming out the bills account. Now I'm joint on her checking account where she spends that money, but I don't go look at that money. I don't go spend that money. I don't even take money out of that account unless, you know, something comes up where, you know, I need to do it because I have access to it. So if, if we need to move some money around, I can just do it. She's even, I got her to log in, you know, right. But I'm on the account. So I can go ahead and do that or, she needs to do a transaction on my account. I'm like, oh, just go down to the bank and do it. You're joint on the account, so you can do it. I get all that type of stuff set up. That's why you do it. It's not so that, you know, she's spending my money. No, no, we, we do a budget every month, back to the budget, and that shows how we're going to spend our money anyway. So I already have the transparency on top of that outside of a joint bank account standpoint. When we do the budget, now we are couples on a joint budget, bump joint bank accounts. Are you on a joint budget? We're on a joint budget. Okay, we have a set of financial goals, we prioritize them, and then we do what we can to hit them as fast as possible. In the conversation, all right, it's not, you don't you don't lose your autonomy. Now, we get into a situation where people are mismanaging finances or financially illiterate, however you want to phrase that, that's when issues occur. We get to a situation where people might have to, they unfortunately end up getting divorced, and now they're taking on credit card debt that was accrued pre-marriage, but they got into the marriage with the credit card debt. And now the judge can't figure out how many of the expenses as far as the total was pre-marriage. And now they've been buying diapers for y'all kid. And it's like, yeah, y'all just got to take, you know, you got to take on the credit card debt. That's where stuff gets murky. And y'all need to sit down with somebody, me, if you want to, but actually get clarity on how these things work. People mix and match things and have incorrect information. And then get mad when they get screwed. Financial therapist, Lindsay, Brian Podovan, a behavior finance expert with Brad Financial. Almost half, 46% of people who are in a relationship keep their finances separate to avoid losing their financial independence. You do not um, lose your financial dependence. First of all, when you get married, you lose your financial independence. You should, because now you're on a joint financial journey. According to a recent survey from the financial services company, it polled 1,659 U.S. adults in early January. We don't want our partner to turn into a pseudo-parent some of y'all need a pseudo parent because y'all be fumbling the bag. That's the part we won't talk about either. All right. Because that's. <sighs> let's let's not talk about the. <laughs> Screw this survey. Have you sat down with people and actually looked at their finances and said, oh, you definitely need a parent. You need somebody to tell you what to do with your money because you making your decisions. This shit is screwed. See, we won't have that conversation. I don't care about the survey and you answering yes or no, and it's anonymous. I'm talking about sitting down, either looking you in the face or virtually looking at you through this damn camera and looking at your finances, look at your bank account. You telling me you did this with what and how much money? Nah, we're not having that conversation. I.e. again, all these trips y'all took during the panorama, but now y'all don't got no money. Why have the vacations decreased? Is it because the plane tickets went up or is it because y'all never had no money in the first place and now that them student loans is due? Uh, okay. We lose that financial independence. We all of a sudden get this dynamic of checks and balances versus equality. See, when the money is joint, never mind. When the money is joint, it's both, it's both of y'all money from a joint make count standpoint. So one person messes up the money, it messes up both of y'all money and vice versa. But part of the issue, and this 
they're probably they're slightly touching on it, but you know, people who are married versus people who are not married. If you're not married, I'm not talking to you. This is for people who are married when we talk about joint bank accounts. For the married people, you shouldn't when when you're married and you still have this independence in the sense of when I win, it's my win. Okay, look at when I win, it's my win. All right, here we go. When if I make more money, then my wife makes more money too. Like it should be viewed as that. You guys' successes should be viewed as both your successes, even they're like independent, like from a work standpoint. And your failure should be as both of y'all failures together, even if it's again from a work standpoint. Not in the sense of that both of you quote unquote failed or both of you quote unquote succeeded, but as far as you guys being joint and becoming one and realizing that two people can pull more weight than one person. All right. When Gen Z tends, why Gen Z can tends to keep finances separated? I keep saying separated, separate. Of couples in live-in relationships, 36% of those earning less than 50000 a year in household income. Okay, if you're a couple and you're earning less than 50 k keep the, you don't you don't have no finances to keep separate. If, if you're a couple and you earn less than 50 k y'all both need to go get another job if you don't got no kids. All right, lower-income households are often younger adults. True, said Ted Roseman, Rossman, excuse me, a senior. Why does he keep popping up like that? A senior industry analyst at Bankrate, the intersection between young adults also being those who have lower incomes may be helping to explain some of the divides. Your income, how much money you have shouldn't determine whether or not your account should be your account should be joint. On top of that, not saying you should be married, get married because of this, but if you want to increase your income as far as your take-home pay, get married. Single people pay the highest tax rate and married filing joint. They pay that same tax rate. If you want to pay or have more money, getting married does that. Not saying you should just go and get married, but again. You've been y'all struggling financially for four or five years. Y'all been together living this whole time and you've been married the whole time. You've been kicking out all them taxes. Not when I say for no reason, but because y'all not looking at things the right way. In a lower income household, it may be more likely that finances stay separate for a host of reasons. Come on, Brian Podovan. That's that's her last name. There's a higher likelihood that they might have some anxieties around financial institutions and might do things outside of traditional banking systems, she said. Oh, y'all got that cash app uh, debit card. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, there can also be a level of shame about the amount of student loan debt. As I said on, as I said on the original Bank Joy Bank account episode, both of y'all are bro- both of you are broke. All right, y'all, y'all, neither of you have any money. There can also be a, yeah, a level of shame about student loan debt, credit card debt, debt in general that young adults carry. But if y'all both have debt, why lack of transparency and communication in your relationship? Hence, why your accounts are separated as well. You're not together. I'm just having sex and you got a baby and now things is really screwed. Separate finances may let them keep those financial challenges private. What? Y'all, y'all know me. Once you start having unprotected sex, I, pr- privacy is out the window. I, th- I think you, I mean, one can say once you start having sex with somebody in general, because you, you know, you can get, you can die from having sex, right? You know, condoms and stuff like that doesn't protect from everything. It's not hundred percent, but once you have, if you have an unprotected sex, you're talking about, you not, you have an unprotected sex, but you're saying you don't want to share your finances with this person. You want to share your whole body and the risk of AIDS, HIV, all these diseases that you can't get rid of and diseases that can kill you. Shout out to people out here on TikTok and stuff saying, you know, they're being more open with their herpes and diseases like that. The world is in shambles, but my God, you're saying you want to share your body with them, possibly get pregnant, make a life. But Oh Lord, if I share my finances, that's where and that's why we had a recording full of that podcast and talk about financial therapy and how people are more willing to share their trials and tribulations or their journey from a health standpoint. But when you talk about finances, no, you will know someone had cancer 
well before you know someone had bankruptcy. You won't know someone was bankrupt until unfortunately they died from cancer. People will tell you that, oh yeah, I'm having this you know significant health situation. People will not tell you the financial situation. It is crazy, crazy. And a lot of the difference is like some health conditions, right? Cancer, unfortunately, can be terminal. And it just, you know, it is what it is, it's terminal. But financially, you can usually always get your financial situation fixed. As long as you're alive, you can actually fix it. All right. And if you're disabled to the point where you can't work, your debt and stuff usually gets forgiven. Gen Z also grew up with a phone in their hand or with ready access to apps technology, something that prior generations lacked. What the hell does that mean? Therefore, they might see the need for joint finances, especially when they could easily chip in for a joint expense through apps like no, no. What? Venmo and Zelle didn't decrease the. Being able to use cash up, Venmo, and Zelle, that's not the reason that people aren't joining their bank accounts. What? By the way, Venmo and Zelle are useless if you bank at the same financial institution. I want to be very clear. So if you both bank at Bank A, you don't actually need to use Venmo or Zelle. Just make it so you can transfer to their account because that's all, that's all you're doing. Do people not know what these applications are doing? Never mind. What Venmo and Zelle, well, Zelle puts it, you know, puts it straight in the account. What Zelle allows you to do is act as if you guys bank at the same bank. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't even know talk about Zelle. I don't read these articles at a time where you can transfer that money over instantaneously. Zelle takes a couple of minutes or whatever. But that's what Zelle allows you to do. You bank at two different bank A versus bank B or credit union, whatever. And it allows you to transfer that money right away. That's what Zelle allows you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And there's a reason they put a limit on it. Right? You bank at the same place, you know, that transfer limit, you know, is what it is on the app. But in person, you can transfer however much money you got. All right. Zelle and Venmo stuff like that. They have limits on that type of stuff. Daily limits, if not monthly as well. It's far easier to send and request money via a host of different apps if you don't bank at the same place. Brian Potavin. This is this is Brian's last name. What is what is Miss Brian's first name? Is it Lisa? Lindsay. Okay. Miss Lindsay said, Miss Lindsay Brian Potavin said, it's a part of just the enmeshment with technology that they have and how that piece is a bit more normalized. But not normalized to the point where you're not going to join your bank accounts. Yeah, not all Gen Z couples are keeping their finance apart. Okay, roughly 34% of Gen Z couples who live together fully combine their finances, while 20% have a mix of yours, mine, and ours. Already talked about this. Bank rate found. While financial independence can be a priority for some couples, there are a few bonuses to joining forces. A few how yours, mine, and ours can alleviate concerns. About 38%, I want to talk to people now about this stuff. About 30% of co-living couples have a mix of joint and separate accounts, while 24% keep finances completely separate, bank rate bound. Experts suggest couples should consider weighing a yours, mine, and ours financial picture because it can help couples have best of both worlds. Individual accounts offer some financial independence within the relationship alongside joint accounts for shared obligations. Yours, mine, and ours can alleviate a lot of these concerns, Rossman said. This can be a healthy way to manage money as long as you agree upon a framework. If we agree upon the framework, the budget, by the way, just look at this, this is the budget. The framework is the budget. If you agree upon the framework, what's the issue with the accounts being joint? This is where you get into cognitive dissonance. If we agree on how we're going to 
budget our money or how we're going to have this framework with our finances, meaning we're going to spend for every hundred dollars we make, this is how we're going to spend our money. If we agree on that, what's the matter if the accounts are joined or not? And you can obviously say, what's the matter if the accounts are separate or not? But again, having them join again, allows that transparency and builds in that accountability for you in and of itself. So what's the matter? If we, if we agree, how we're going to spend that money. What's the issue? Because now we get into financial infidelity. One of the main causes, not the main causes of divorce. You said you were going to spend your money this way, the framework, the budget this month, and you did not do that. Now you get mad when there's an issue. And then we want to talk about how people who keep, even if your accounts are joint, you can still go and get your own you know, credit card, own bank account, whatever, without the knowledge of your spouse. And then all of a sudden you look up 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you get near retirement, whatever it is. And it's like, damn, where's all our money? Why do you have all this debt? Transparency. But again, you said that with me, you would know that you need to run your annual credit report every year and every year when you do your financial goals and things like that. Like as the end of the year, beginning of the year, financial planning type thing. You do your annual credit report every year, you avoid that type of stuff. But you know, you got to, you got to, Listen to the people who will tell you that. Instead of people telling you you're trying to get this real estate and all this crap, figure out how to just manage your finances foundationally. Don't not even looking at your credit credit report every year, the free one that you get by law from all three bureaus. Money can be a leading source of argument, yep, among couples or even financial infidelity. I don't read these articles ahead of time. And that's the great thing about this. You guys get to see how much tunnel vision I have. I did not see that financial infidelity, I promise you or the practice of keeping certain purchases or financial realities a secret. Here's the thing. If you don't look at your spouse's bank account, you won't know that they have bought something. What? And also, too, you know, it's usually women trying to keep the, you know, birthday gift for the man a secret. But when you ask most men, they don't want anything. So <laughs> you keep trying to keep something secret that you probably don't want in the first place, especially not to buy because you had other priorities, financially speaking. And, and that's the part. It's not about even an argument. It's like you, you're going against the framework. Why, why won't people just say that? We don't have any money, and then you're spending money we don't have. And you're talking about keeping the account separate. It's not about keeping this account separate or joint. You can't even, you won't not, you're not sticking to the budget or the framework. As Rossman said, almost half or 40% of couples admitted to have secretly made a financial decision without consulting their partner. If you're not married, doesn't matter. You just not a secret purchase. If you're married, that's financial fidelity and you need to sit down with either uh, you know, a marriage counselor, therapist and or um someone on the financial side. Definitely someone on the financial side but possibly, you know, a marriage counselor. That's a significant problem. Especially in most cases, remember people are spending money they don't have like and or going into debt, however you want to look at it. About 16% of couple Respondents hit a purchase from their partner while 22% admitted to withholding their credit card balance. Excuse me, y'all. Credit cards, here we go. I told y'all. I don't read these articles ahead of time. I mean, it just is what it is. Further, 12% of male respondents said they hit cryptocurrency. Oh, I forgot. Crypto bros. Crypto yeah, crypto's a thing that ownership. This is Gen Z from a partner compared to only 4% of women. Yeah. yeah. Baby boomers not going to have any probably crypto data at all on them from a couple standpoint. However, couples who appreciate the idea of financial independence need to have open and honest discussions about money. Said, okay, again, Lindsay, Brian, Potobin. I think the main issue with this article is people like myself who tell you, don't join bank accounts if you're not married. Then we got people who are not married joining bank accounts. It's like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that anyway. And then you're trying to compare those people who aren't married with joint bank accounts to people who aren't married as well with separate bank accounts. And it's like, well, one set of the people are doing it correctly. Not that you can't, because you can obviously join an account, have someone join your account who you're not married to. But that's what you should do. Then when we talk about getting married, right, then it's like, well, why do we need to join our bank account? It's like, because you're married now. 
right? You start bleeding things over. It's a whole, you know, Mary Free Carry type of thing. It's like you separate things, not from like a joint bank counter or separate bank count things, but you you isolate things as far as, you know, or, or let's say, say gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is a better word. But like you wait until you do this to then do this. That's why I love, you know, people play video games. But you, you understand like certain milestones or things you have to do before you unlock something else. Now, our life isn't set up like that right now because in the world you know there's so much freedom so much choice people can do so many things before you even quote unquote accomplish something but it's like yo before you go get your master's you gotta get your bachelor's like everybody kind of understands that all right but imagine if we just let people enter you know a surgeon program for brain surgery and they had they hadn't even you know achieved a high school diploma yet it's not like some child prodigy that would be out of whack and be like yeah you you can't you got to do these things before you can you know become a brain surgeon and we'll help you do these things but you know you gotta check these things off of you know first off your checklist if you and your partner decide to merge finances for shared responsibilities discuss how much each person should contribute to the shared account see no again you on your joint bank account again if you fund this money ahead of time you operate in a situation where you live on less than you make for people who are married you're you know you live off of if both of you are working so you have at least a dual income you do your best to live off the lowest person's income Overall, at least from a necessity standpoint, because remember, behind all of this is the student loan debt, is the credit card debt, is the card debt, is the debt when we're talking to these people. That's why. Let me see. I got my head shaking here. I got. I keep saying I got to redo my books. That's why when people flack on this guy right here, shout out to Dave Ramsey, no sponsorship. That's why when people, mainly Gen Z, give Dave Ramsey hell about his financial, you know, ideology. I would say now it's just flat out principles. I mean, foundational stuff that everyone needs to do for the most part, as far as me not arguing with people. I don't argue with baby steps one. I don't really argue any of the baby steps. You can argue about the order, but I don't argue, you know, about them at all. They're unless you're anti-debt, it's kind of you got to do them. But clean up your debt. Make enough money to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Don't talk about inflation, things like that. How much do you want to live? Understand how much money you make and understanding the lifestyle that that can provide for you it's very simple but in all of this people have all these issues all this financial security all this type of trauma surrounding their finances all this bad information incorrect information when it comes to managing their, managing their finances and then they get with another person in the same scenario they'd be like oh my god our life is fucked and it's like yeah then we're trying to over here help you guys you know get your life back in order and you're like oh no i don't want to do that i want to enjoy my life and go to starbucks every day all right fine but it don't make me pay more in taxes. We don't go back to taxes if I can, right? It's that simple. Such talks also help you come to terms about allowing each other some financial autonomy. All right, that's it, y'all. End of the episode. Again, as we go back, Gen Z couples are more likely than older generations to keep finances separate. Here's why by Anna Teresa Sola. All right, y'all. End of the episode. Actually, the day. Let me get Dave out of the way. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble I, like I'm trying to say it's my book or something like that. I mean, I got all my other books, but you know, there's kind of like background type of stuff. All right, y'all, I got my, I got to redo my setup and stuff like that. Anyway, that's it, y'all. Locked and loaded, end of the episode again. I, I mean, I went on multiple tangents, multiple rants about joint bank accounts or keeping bank accounts separate. Let me be very clear. If you're not married, separate bank accounts, conduct your finance how you want to because you're not married. Whether or not y'all should live together, completely different situation. There's so many different types of relationships, situationships right now. But if you're not married, bank accounts separate until you get married. Now, for those who are married, bank accounts get joint. 
Only time your bank accounts should not be joined is if you're in a situation where someone, you know, criminal, addict, things of that nature, where they're clearly mismanaging their finances or literally a risk. Um, from a financial standpoint, there might be a situation where you guys are married, filing joints from a tax standpoint, or however it is, you guys keep your finances separated. Or in the case where you're just, you know, you just got married and you're trying to figure out how to merge or join your finances and you realize, dang, our stuff is just all over the place. You need to reach out, you know, get some help to figure out how to actually join or merge your finances. When someone is joined, when they talk about joint bank accounts, they need to stop calling joint bank accounts. They need to start saying, putting a joint owner on your account. That's what we need to start saying. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe we ever said the bank account was joint. We say, you mean you got a joint checking, you got a joint savings, you know, you got a joint money market, but everyone's account, you, when you, when I will look up anybody's account, I need your name, like your information, who's the primary on the account. Now, if you tell me you're on the account, right, then I'll just search your name and then all the various accounts that you're on will show up. And then the account that, you know, would have you know, your social into it is you, I believe would, yeah, the account that have your social on it, that would be the account that you were primary on from a, a savings account standpoint, you know, that, that links to all the rest of your accounts. But if you come in and you don't say you don't know your account, the account that you're on, but you know, hopefully you know your social, when I put in your social as the search, it would automatically pull up your account if you had one there as far as a primary individual account, however you want to phrase it. If you didn't know your social, I use your name, John Doe. Obviously, I need your you know, your birth date to filter through all the other John Does. But then I would see all the other accounts. So if you're trying to find the account that actually your wife is the primary, it's actually her account, but you're joint on her checking account. You're trying to get take money out of that joint checking account. Then that's when I would use your name to actually figure out that. If for whatever reason you don't know your wife's name, your wife, or some people, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't know their you know their wife's birthday. They don't know their parents' birthday. But something like that is how another way you could realize that the accounts are always separate. They're always separate. You don't have a bank account, then your spouse has a bank account, then y'all get married and you join your account and now you just have one account and your, your accounts vanished that were separated. It doesn't work that way. It's giving someone else, your spouse in this situation, access to the funds, not saying they should access the funds. How you guys actually manage your finances is completely different than whether or not the account should be joined or not. Joining bank accounts does not have any determination on how you manage your finances. It gives you ability more tools as far as how you can actually manage your finances. But, oh, you put your spouse in your bank account. Now that means you have to have, you know, the bills account, money come out that account. That's not what that means. All right. That's it, y'all. Locked and loaded. End of the episode. Make sure you comment, like, share, and subscribe. Leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well. My information, as well as my coach Jordan information, can be found in the description on YouTube. All right. Again, y'all, I talked about the out of context stuff that will be coming up. We're going to get back into these social media posts. I got a whole bunch I need to do. I even talked about, I was thinking about like doing sports stuff as well. Cause for those who don't know, I am terribly into sports, not as much as I used to be, but you know, I still am, you know, a crazy sports head um, out here. Shout out to Cam and Mace. Can you say sports head? What do you, what, what, what can you say now? Pause. Anyways. So that stuff will be coming up hopefully in the next month or so I'll be, you know, depending on, you know, what it is, but the clips aren't, you know, that long. It's a couple minute videos. So there'll be multiple topics covered when we do this out of context stuff, sort of like I'm trying to do with the money mindset now and do my best to cover multiple articles, depending on what the topic is, our topic, the topic is. All right. So if y'all don't know, first time listening, if we talk about student loans, know it's going to be a pretty long episode. And if we talk about joint bank accounts or separate bank accounts, it's probably going to be a long episode as well. Those are probably my two that's probably the things I'm interested in most. When I say interested, it's the things that get me riled up. All right. And I try to give y'all, you know, the best content. All right. That's it, y'all. 
If you have any questions, comments, concerns, again, you guys leave a comment. You can email us, reach out to us, DM us. Again, we appreciate y'all. Again, like I said, I do my best to respond to any comments y'all leave within 24 hours. We appreciate the continued engagement as far as on the videos. Keep doing whatever y'all doing. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. And the algorithm is helping us out, so we're going to continue to grow. You know, we want slow and steady growth, but we want y'all to actually, you know, get something out of this content and actually improve your life financially. That's why I tell y'all to reach out to me. And if y'all, I can, I can start doing this live and leaving the links, so y'all come up here. I've said many a times, I have no issue doing a coaching session live. You just got to be willing to dispense your information, or at least give me enough vague information to where I can actually help you. But, you know, not saying I'm gonna do everything pro bono, but it's not to the point where, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do this and, as, you know, as a living, I'm a software developer and a scrum master now, but, you know, I got a way to make money. So I'm not worried about doing this. This is like to help people out and put more correct information, or at least from my viewpoint into the world and help people get on a better track from a financial standpoint. And then Jordan, obviously from a fitness standpoint. All right, that's it y'all. Remember to save more and say less. Keep making better your best. And I'll catch y'all in the next one.